You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 490. I'm your host, Elise Schaefer, and today I'm joined by Ollie Heaby. Ollie is the co-founder of FreeAgent, one of the UK's most popular online accounting products built with Rails, and was CTO for 15 years until leaving in 2022. After leaving FreeAgent, Ollie joined 37Signals as director of engineering, where he led the engineering teams for Hay, Basecamp, Mobile, SIP, and QA. Ollie left 37Signals in May this year and is launching his new B2B product, Teamlight, this fall. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. So you recently wrote a blog post about choosing Ruby on Rails as a career choice in 2023. It was a really good post and I kind of enjoyed where you got to. Could you maybe just start with the question that you got asked and then how that kind of led into you writing the blog post? Yeah, of course. So the idea for the blog post was from a random Twitter DM I received from someone who was obviously early in their career and they were asking for a bit of advice. And essentially they were saying, is Ruby on Rails a good career choice in 2023? Because I'm concerned about the future. And that's where it came from. But this question of whether Rails is a good career choice, it's been one that's come up a lot over the years, going back well over a decade, probably certainly since agents started getting bigger and whatnot. It'd come up with when we were hiring, when peers in my network would say the same thing. Isn't Ruby a bit niche? Are you worried you're going to have a long-term problem here? So it's a good question. Yeah, I feel like every six months, there's a another blog post that's like, Ruby is dying, Rails is dying, or something similar to that. I've seen that too over the last 10 years. You had a pretty good answer, I think. You kind of broke down some data, you looked at it, and then you sort of gave... What I thought was a pretty decent answer. Can you talk about the data that you were looking at from the Stack Overflow and then your own sort of experiences with Rails? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I suppose I have to confess this wasn't a blog post where I I meticulously researched it. It it It's more of this kind of cursory glance at a bunch of reports that get published. The Stack Overflow one is probably one of the most popular ThoughtWorks have one, I think, is it like the Radar or something like that. And even... Recruiters often publish these things as well, which are kind of interesting reading. I do think there are biases play. I think some of the audience of these surveys, you're not quite sure, are they particularly biased in one way or another, maybe, but you should probably bear that in mind. But it does kind of seem pretty clear that Ruby isn't high up on the popularity stakes. And other things, JavaScript, stroke TypeScript, I suppose if you combine those two, very, very high in numbers and more traditional, I suppose, longer established things like Java, Python, leagues ahead, really. And in framework stake as well, Rails, it's not doing brilliantly. But then I think it's really quite a niche thing, isn't it? It always has been. And that's not necessarily a problem, really. I mean, sure, there's a niche where something is really outdated and not being supported and is kind of dying in a ditch somewhere. But then there's a niche where it's just not everywhere. There's a smaller community, but it's still thriving. So you have to kind of bear that in mind as well, I think. So, yeah, the survey results, I agree with the, like, you have to kind of think about the survey. And for the Stack Overflow survey, sometimes I feel like the questions are really weird. So I, I don't, like, you do have to keep that in mind. That's true. But I'm curious for investments, because you're an investor too. So are you seeing, you talk in the blog post about how you don't really see a lot of, at least from the companies that you've talked to, a lot of them choosing Rails. Do you think that's like a bigger trend and should that worry people or what's the story there? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm not a big time investor. I've done quite a bit the last few years, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And 
be honest, of all the pitch decks I've seen, which has been quite a lot, maybe even like 100, maybe more pitch decks and conversations with founders. And this is mainly in the UK and Europe, to be honest. In the US, maybe it's different. I, I don't really know about that. But after virtually none of these companies were using Rails. I think there were one or two, but the vast majority were very much some sort of React going on the front end, pretty much, and then some sort of back end. And that could be anything, no job, Python, probably Go. So I don't really remember Ruby much. But to be fair, I don't recall seeing PHP either. So, yeah. and so it's quite interesting. It's slightly disappointing, I think, for me, because I, I think there are these advantages that you have, in my opinion, of building with Rails and the whole majestic monolith and a single stack. You can be super productive. The ecosystem's great. The tooling's great. The gems, the brilliant. And I'm surprised. I'm quite surprised that people aren't doing it. But then I suppose if you start to think about it, yes, the average age of some of these founders that I'm talking to is fairly young, I would say, relatively speaking. But bear in mind, I'm close to 50. So 30 seems young to me. Maybe that seems old to some listeners. I don't know. And these people, they've built their careers in a post kind of Rails peak world where mm. single page apps reacts this kind of stuff is kind of the go-to thing and they're really good at it right they're really good at doing this so i think there's a, a mindset as ruby rails developers where we're like well you know it must be way more complicated to kind of have this front end apis all of this stuff but maybe it's not i don't know i mean i'm not an expert probably say on in ruby probably on the other side i'm definitely not so it's hard for me to judge but people are building stuff quickly and really well and so it's kind of interesting that these tools are working for them. But at the same time, a little bit disappointing. I would say that I'm not seeing Rails there. And that is interesting. Is, how, is that a sign of something? What can yeah. you read into that, if anything? In a lot of ways, when you're building something, like this conversation with people just at work, in the community when I'm talking to them, about how very early on, basically none of your tech decisions matter. The framework you choose, the language you choose, where you're hosting, none of that stuff matters. And probably the best choice in any one of those things is the thing you already know, because you already know it. So you can just build something yeah. faster. So I think there's something to the idea that people are learning React, they're learning Node or whatever they're learning on the back end, and they're picking that. I love Ruby and I love Rails. And I think for me, whenever I talk to people who also use Ruby and who love Ruby and love Rails, we all sort of have the same kind of thing where it's the first language that we learned where you could just guess. It's fit your brain, like Rails especially was like that when I first learned it. And I think that's a story for a lot of people. And that's kind of another thing you talk about in the post about Ruby as a language and Rails as a framework are built to make the developer using it happy. And that's a core value of these tools. I think that's also part of how you choose tools or what you pick. I don't know, do you have any thoughts on kind of that? Because I, I mean, it does seem like the community is still around. And we're still doing stuff. This is the thing. I think there's a certain level of, I mentioned this earlier, like the nicheness of Rails, but that niche is kind of thriving in its own way. There are countless gems for things and even new things that come along, like AI, right? And I was looking at this the other day. I wanted to kind of use an open AI for something. I was like, oh, is there a gem for that? So I go looking, and of course, there's a, there's a gem for that. Someone's built that. It's fresh. It's got updates over the last few months, and it's brilliant. And that you can almost say that for pretty much anything, I find it. It's very rare that I would find something, and it didn't have a Ruby gem for it. What's interesting, actually, is there are, in some of the larger companies, so for example, Google and Microsoft, I've, I've been looking at those APIs recently, 
and they're less supported. Like Ruby is not considered one of the top languages that they will do their proper API wrappers using Java, Python, C, whatever. Ruby is a little sketchy, which that's a bit of a shame to see that the big companies there not really loving Ruby. But that probably comes from this kind of back to the Stack Overflow list and then go, well, we won't bother doing the Ruby one because no one uses Ruby anymore, do they? But actually, when you look at it, it's still a really kind of fresh community there, which I think is great. Yeah, I think even recently, I think there's been a, a bit of a community kind of resurgence too. I think if you looked at maybe the past few years, certainly pre-Hotwire, I wouldn't say that the community seemed down, but there was definitely like, a oh, almost everybody was doing Rails as an API and then React on the front end or Vue on the front end as a single page app really seemed like the investment was on the JavaScript side of that equation. When you talk to engineering teams, you talk to employees at conferences or whatever. But now I do feel like when I go to RubyConf or when I go to RailsConf or when I go to any of these communities, the community does feel like it's thriving. It feels like there's a community of people who are very passionate about Ruby and about Rails. And then you compare that with the Rails Foundation coming around and saying, hey, we're going to be here for the long haul. I'm curious. Have you seen that? Because I think the community is also a very big part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I, for me, I, I said that you know, the community is really strong. I think what's really interesting to me is that there's a tight-knit community. It's not massive, but it's strong. And it'd be nice to see that grow a little bit more. But then does it really need to? As long as it's a sort of a stable, critical mass and there's things going on and people are happy with it. And we're seeing new people join the community. I think that's one of the crucial things that like... Is it just this aging community that goes on until you know, we all die off or actually are new, new people coming in and, and joining that? And I think hopefully we can kind of do that. And that's where the Rails Foundation, I think, comes in for me. But I think it's what we need to remember. We don't need to necessarily compete with the Reacts. We don't need to be the thing that everyone uses. That's okay. It's okay to kind of be niche. And it's kind of cool to be a bit under the radar. Kind of, I was thinking about this. It's like, I used to be really into skateboarding, right, in the 80s, because that's how old I am. And it was actually immensely uncool. It was really uncool to be skateboarding. No one did it. There was a few of us weirdos doing it, wearing strange clothes, strange shoes, like vans. What? what? You're wearing what? But yet there was this brilliant things happening and great videos being produced by like Power Peralta and magazines like Thrasher and Transworld that only really the skate community knew about. And, and I kind of like to think Rails is a bit like that, like it's this healthy kind of creative movements and they're kind of building cool stuff, a little bit under the radar, moving really fast. We kind of know how cool this is. And so it's a bit punk rock, quite like that. And so maybe it'll be a bit like that and it'll start to become a bit more mainstream as people talk about it. I don't know. Or maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but that's how I like to think about it. But I think the Rails Foundation can really help with that. Bring new people into the community and show how cool it is. Because obviously Rails World's going to help. That's great. And it shows how established Rails devs probably are kind of going to that, I would imagine. I don't know how many new people. It's more like all the existing Rails devs. Yes, I want to go. Let me go. But things like their initiatives, like the documentation overhaul, which I know is one of the kind of the things they want to do. And that kind of stuff is also really important because right now, if you go Googling for something, I mean, I was doing this the other day, Googling for, I don't know, form with, how do I do that again? And I was Googling that. And you come up with some weird apidoc.com page from Rails 4. And I'm like, look, what is this? And there's all these competing things. So if we can get rid of all that, so when you go searching for what you want and you get this brilliant guide and you find what you want first time and it's up to date, that kind of thing will really help the ecosystem. It'll get new people will go, all right, I get it, rather than getting some old thing that makes no sense. So 
that's going to be really important. I'm hoping that's where the Rails Foundation comes in and they can really start to bring new people and show them how cool it can be. But it doesn't have to be enormous. I think we can be quite a small community, but just a thriving one. Yeah. I think so. You mentioned Rails World, and this is like a whole other thing. It does part of the groundswell for me, and part of what makes me so hopeful and so like, oh, the community is doing really well and really thriving is that if you looked a decade ago, there were tons of Ruby conferences all over, right? All over the world, there were tons of them. And then slowly they started to stop happening. And you still had RubyConf and you still had Ruby Kaigi, but a lot of the sort of smaller, more regional ones kind of dissipated. But in the last year, there's a whole renaissance of people being excited, not just excited about Ruby, but excited about getting Ruby people together. And putting on a conference is complicated and it's difficult and it takes a lot of work. I don't think you would do that if you didn't love the community and want to like support that community in some way. And so I think that that's a pretty amazing sign that, yeah, we can be a community that's got our own stuff. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are some brilliant conferences out there. I mean, there's obviously the kind of established ones, RailsConf, RubyConf, but obviously Rails for Worlds, like the new one in Europe, and that's going to be really cool, hopefully. There's also Iruko, which I think is happening right now, maybe. And, and that, from what I understand, I've never been, I'd like to go, but apparently it's just wonderful and the people are great and it's such a community vibe. So I'd love to go to that. And other ones, there's one Rails SaaS I read about that. Mm-hmm. They've had a couple of, which is kind of close to my heart, kind of really like SaaS, like Rails. That sounds brilliant. And and yeah, Tropical Ruby, I think I've seen over in Brazil. And you're right, it's, it's all over the place. And there's others, I'm sure, that I don't know about. But yeah, I think it's great. And it, again, it shows that the community is really healthy. There's things going on. There's enough to talk about. And that's important. I should give a shout out for Brighton Ruby as well, of course, which uh, yeah. Yeah. happens in the UK every year, which is great. And so it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Is there enough new content? Are there enough things to talk about? Where does Rails go? Because one of the things people often talk about, or maybe some when people are being a bit derogatory about Rails, it's a bit like, well, it's just kind of in maintenance mode, isn't it? But it does seem that Rails 8 is on the horizon. There's some pretty cool stuff that's being cooked, certainly under 37 signals that I'm kind of party to some of that information. And that's really good. And obviously, Strada got released this week. And Strada, that's been a long time coming, but it's brilliant to see that out in the world. And hopefully, that will start to see some adoption of that to show that even on the mobile side, Rails can fit into that. Thanks to Honey Badger, I have all kinds of sources to back what I'm about to say next. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime certainly should not be one of them. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute that you're down. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which of course helps you stay in business. Best of all, Honey Badger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at honeybadger.io. That is honeybadger.io. Thanks to Honey Badger for supporting the show. I was very excited to see Strata get released because when Hotwire came out, I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. But if you look at that entire kind of tool chain, right? You look at Hotwire, you look at Turbo, you look at Strata, that's a pretty amazing story for Rails. There's a lot of projects doing kind of similar things as Turbo, right? It's the same basic idea with Livewire or LiveView with Phoenix or HTMX is very similar. And one, Rails has a very good story of, hey, 
all this stuff is built in. You don't have to like bolt it on. The tooling is really nice. And then Strata gives you like a mobile answer too, right? Like it helps you bridge this gap on mobile. And I think that's very exciting and drives a lot of excitement for me about Rails. I love seeing that happen. I feel a sense of, oh, there's all this exciting stuff happening in our community and all this exciting stuff happening in our tools. And I think that gives us reason to feel very good about the future of Rails. Yeah, absolutely. I think when Hotwire, Stimulus, all of that has started to come out, it's what, three years ago, I think. When 37 was launched, Hey, and then out came Turbo, which obviously was developed as part of Hey. And that was definitely a bit of a game changer, I think, after where the, you were saying earlier, the front end situation in, in kind of the mid 2010s was not the best with the Rails. It was kind of a bit awkward. There were a few ways of doing things, nothing really a convention, but then along comes Hotwire and that convention is now there and it's powerful. You can get stuff done. And hopefully we'll see the same with Strata. But I suppose one concern I suppose I would have with that is who else is doing that? Obviously, 37 Singles are doing amazing things with this. But is that enough? And can they co- Can they do enough in enough time? Because this stuff takes time to, but it took years. Active storage complex mm-hmm. took a long time, all of these, but all of them largely as some 37 Signals funded to some degree. And can we get other companies doing as much or contributing to that as well? And I know that obviously the Shopify's and the GitHub's do all sorts of things. Often, I think they're more on the back end and certainly on Shopify doing an awful lot of low-level performance stuff because they need it, right? And the same way that 37 Signals needs some front-end stuff for, hey, Shopify need to scale because they're just enormous. And so they're helping with wide jet and everything else. But it'd be good to see more on the front end side, I think, which is where Rails, I would say, probably needs most investment, I think. That would be probably be my suggestion. And so that's kind of interesting. Where does that come from? Because obviously the community does a lot. People are contributing to Turbo and to this, that, and the other. One example I always come back to is Trix. And Trix, you know, was developed quite a long time ago now, and it was in CoffeeScript, and then it got rewritten to JavaScript and whatnot. But it hasn't really evolved because it was written for 37 Signals. It does a pretty good job. It's great. Works in Basecamp. Hey, it's good. But actually, if you're kind of being honest, it kind of needs a bit of work because it's sort of dropped behind what other things are doing. And it's not easy to do something else in that regard. So where's the investment that there are initiatives happening in using something called Rhino Editor, which Connor Rogers is doing an amazing job with. And it's like an action text compatible based on TikTok prose mirror. It's wonderful, but that's just like Connor doing it for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> for, for like, so where are the people helping him out there? Because that's what, in my opinion, that's what Rails needs, that sort of thing, like a different tricks, a better tricks that can do mentions and it can do tables and it can do all of these things that you, that you can't really do right now. It's like too much effort. And so who's going to sponsor that? Because really it's got to be kind of, you'd think, sponsored by someone. And maybe it'll be 37 Singles, but then... Will it? I don't know. So I'm kind of interested in that. It'd be good to see some of these companies investing a bit more somehow into that. Because I know Instacart did a lot. I think Andrew Kane at Instacart. You look at someone like Andrew Kane, who's for me like some sort of unsung hero in the, in the Rails world. The number of gems that he has built, and they're incredible. They're all absolutely amazing. So yeah, more people helping out, sponsoring people like that, whether it's companies or even just paying cash. Because I know 37 Signals were also kind of sponsoring people via GitHub as well that way, which is great. So I think that would be important as well. Yeah, I think it's funny that you bring up tricks because I've this exact conversation about tricks multiple times. 
I should look at the Rhino editor. And... Rhino's really good. I've been using yeah. it on a kind of new app. It's not quite there. There's a few little things. Most of the issues tend to be around trying to model the action text kind of API, basically. So it's a drop-in replacement. And action text active storage is quite complicated. So the fact that Chrono's actually got this working, it's quite remarkable. It is a drop-in replacement. It's, it's very good. So yeah, definitely worth checking out if anyone wants to use that. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to kind of help out with some of the dev, but it, this whole front-end tooling TypeScript it is not my area of specialty, I have to say. <laughs> I was slightly yeah. bamboozled by it all. So hopefully some yeah. other people with a lot more skills could work on it than me. Yeah, I feel like that's why Hotwire is so exciting because I also feel like not the greatest at the front end stuff, the JavaScript stuff. I'm getting better. I'm trying to get better. And that's like a thing, a skill that I'm trying to build. But the thing about Hotwire that is so amazing is that I can kind of just not have to write the JavaScript and can still get all the cool interactivity and hot reloading part of the page. And yeah, yeah. It's like, cool. So we mentioned PHP a little bit ago. That is like an interesting sort of intersection to me because... If you ask someone 10 years ago what they thought about PHP, I think most people would have said there's going to be projects, like no one's going to build anything new. Like it's all going to be, like basically what people are saying about Rails now, it's going to be maintenance. There's not going to be anything exciting happening there. You're better off picking Rails or Django or something else. But then if you look in the last few years, PHP has had so much new stuff that has happened, right? Like if you fast forward to today, and PHP has like proper object orientation. It's got a type system. It's got a web framework that people love. There are PHP developers who love building stuff. There are people that are building new stuff. So do you think that when you're looking at, oh, Rails is dead, do you think that it's like one of those things where maybe you have to wait and see and probably not, probably the demise is overstated? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of people out there that can program PHP. And as you say, the language evolves, the frameworks evolve. And it's the same in Java. Java has a bad rap because of G2E 20 years ago or whatever. But actually now, when you look at modern Java, it's, like, it's actually pretty cool, even though Kotlin is sort of eating its lunch bit, isn't it? But I think with, yeah, with PHP, I mean, I don't know the community there too much. It's not something I've barely written a line of PHP in my life. I think like a lot of people, it's just hacking on a WordPress speed about the limit of my experience. But it's suddenly noticed there are people on Twitter, X, who kind of have been talking about PHP and building in PHP, unashamedly shouting about it. Because it's great. There's someone, I don't know who it is, but I think their Twitter handles like Levels.io. I don't know, like Twitter keeps feeding me this person. who builds these like awesome AI products and it's all in PHP. I think that's fantastic. You know, we kind of need this mix of things out there. And I think Ruby Rails fits into that. PHP fits into that. How dull would it be if we all used the same thing. So I think you're right. I think Rails, some people think it's kind of dying, but it's not. We know that it's a thriving community, that things are happening and something will happen at some point to make it cool again or to make it exciting again to other people. It's, it's bound to happen, but we do seem to obsess over the tools a bit much, yeah. don't we? Rather, rather than what we're producing, which is what we actually really should be focusing on. But why does it matter? You see it in other things that you mean. I'm really into photography and you see it there as well. Like people kind of, oh, what cameras do you use? And then you can go, oh, I use a Fuji film. All right. Shouldn't you use full frame? Why, why don't you use full frame? Or if I could afford a Leica, I would take better photographs. And it's no, it's not going to make you better at composition or portraiture or, or whatever. So it doesn't matter like PHP. Ruby, Node, it doesn't matter. You can build incredible things with any of these tools. You just use what you're good at, what you love, and build it with that. Because do you know what? Don't worry about it not scaling or don't worry about it 
being dead in the water in, in five years because chances are it'll be fine. Yeah, I think that there's a part of that too where like your customer kind of doesn't care what language you picked or what front-end framework you're using. They care about buying groceries or sending a post to a friend or whatever. They just want it to work. Like, just yeah. make it work. If I'm on my mobile or on my dad, just make it work. I don't care. Like, just make it work. That's what people really care about. So I think you kind of ended the blog post with a sentiment that I really enjoyed, which is, if you really love Rails and you really love Ruby, you should do what you love. And I think if you could talk a little bit about that, I thought that was such a great way to end it. Absolutely. I mean, it's an age-old question, isn't it? I was thinking about this. Do you do the sensible thing? Do you earn a good living, have 2.4 children, be a model citizen or whatever? Or do you follow your dreams? And I'm a parent. I can kind of relate to some of this. You kind of can't say, oh, you need to think about the future. You need to kind of make sure you get a good career. And that's always in your mind. But then the other side of you is, well, why? Why would you want to follow a a path that is of boredom and dullness and a career in the arts, for example, people say, well, that's financial suicide or whatever. It's a terrible career choice. But what is life without artists? It would be awful if, if people didn't follow their dreams. It would just be such a miserable place. I think that's to some extent the same with Rails, right? If you love writing Ruby and Rails and you take joy from it, then try and do that. Try and do that. Because if you struggle to find a job because there aren't enough or whatever, then Maybe you could try building your own thing or doing your own thing. And the worst case, and it doesn't work out and you can't pay the bills, then you can just adapt. What you've learned is transferable to basically any other web programming thing. So you can do that. But if these risks and following dreams and doing what you love, I think is how great things happen. So unless you're actually passionate about being an accountant or something, don't do it because it's sensible. And it's safe. That's a bit of a crime and should, I think, should always be a bit of a last resort. So you should paint your pictures and create your art and write your Ruby until you have no other option, really. So follow your dreams. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. This conversation has been great. So you're going to be at Rails World. As this comes out, people will get to see you at Rails World tomorrow. And where can people find you online? Well, I'm on. The Twitter, the X, what do we call it? <laughs> so you could just Lilo, don't ask. It's like an acronym, L-Y-L-O. I'm on the web, hedy.net, I think is probably the go-to place. I have such an unusual name that just Google me and you'll probably find me. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show again. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's been great to be here. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm very excited about taking over and I really enjoy the conversation with Ollie today. I hope you enjoy it as well. And you're a gem. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening. <laughs>